0: Well, how many of you have logged on a considerable amount of time these past two weeks watching some of the Olympics? Yeah. I've suddenly become this sort of poser devotee of sports that I actually had not heard of before this time of year when we do gather and watch the Olympics. I'm suddenly aware of what it takes to stick a landing on the vault. And I've learned a lot about the triple jump, and I know the names of so many of our swimmers. And it's been fun to listen to the stories that the media picks up about these athletes who live in some of the most obscure places in the world, and what it took to get them to the Olympic Games. And it's been fun to watch the red, white, and blue get a gold medal medal or two on that medal podium. And as I've watched, I've become increasingly aware, both in this country but in almost every country that sends athletes to the Games, of the tremendous amount of finances and resources that it takes to put an Olympic team on the field. The uniforms, the transportation, the sheer amount of food that I guess it must take to feed the U.S. swim team. Did you ever wonder how much Michael Phelps eats in one meal? It takes a lot to put these fine athletes into action. Some folks might even say they're blessed by all those resources and all that they receive so that they can do what they do. Earlier this week, I was watching an interview with an athlete by the name of Aries Merritt. He's the American gentleman who won the, the men's 110-meter hurdles. He was dubbed the new king of the 110 hurdles. And Merritt set an Olympic record, and he set a world record. And this 27-year-old gentleman from Texas was interviewed, of course, after he won, and he gave praise— and thanksgiving to God for his victory. And then he said this. He said that to win every championship I've competed in so far this year is nothing but a blessing. And I believe that's true. I think we would look at him and say, well, that is a blessed man, and praise God that he gave the glory to God for those blessings. But it also made me wonder What is the nature of God's blessing? What about all of the athletes who merit beat? What about the swimmer who worked for years to get to the Olympics and missed the swim team by a tenth of a second? The ones who watched the games from home. Are they somehow not blessed? Does God bless some of us and leave others among us just out there to flounder and and float on our own? And you know, the concept of blessing is all over our scriptures. This book is filled with stories of blessing of God's blessing to us, of parents and fathers who bless their children, of, of people blessing one another, of a call for us to bless God himself in return. Hundreds upon hundreds of times the word blessing or blessed shows up in our scriptures, 400 times in the Old Testament alone. And the word blessing is part of our vernacular. We, we throw the word blessing around. You know, what do we say when we sneeze, right? Bless you. I sign off most of my emails with the word blessings. Throw the comma in there, and then I add my name to it. You know, And when we gather here in this space for a worship service, what does Dan Meyer do on a Sunday morning before we all go out? He raises his arms in the air... And he offers us the benediction. What is a benediction? It is a blessing. It is a sending out. It is a blessing for the community and the people of God. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. We're told he creates the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And on that fifth day, we read that he blessed them. In one twenty-eight, we read that he created men and women, and he says this again in chapter five. He says he created us in God's image, and then he did what? He blessed us. In Genesis 9, chapter, or verse 1, Noah and his family are blessed by God. The Psalms are filled with songs of God's blessing, and Jesus has quite a bit to say about blessing as well. Matthew chapter five, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. The word blessing is everywhere. But what does it mean? How do we know if we've been blessed? And then when we look at our text for today, what does it mean when we see God invite someone else to be a blessing? As he did with Abram then, but as he does with every single one of us today. Simply put, to bless someone is to speak words of praise or adoration to them. And yes, there is also an element of blessing that comes with resources and material things. Anyone who's ever been down on their luck and come into some financial boon would say that that moment was a blessing to them. But the ultimate reality of blessing is not the sheer physical goods we accumulate. It is the words of praise and adoration and the awareness of God's greater goodness that we receive. In Hebrew, the word blessing is a root word from which the word knee actually also comes. And the word knee in Hebrew carries with it a meaning of weakness. Any of you who have ever had a knee injury or surgery on your knee can attest that a knee is not exactly the strongest part of our bodies. And we have language that talks about this. You know, if we're head over heels in love with someone, or perhaps you get off the roller coaster at Six Flags, right? You say you're what? Weak in the knees. And in Hebrew... The concept of blessing goes with this concept of knee so that one would bow or kneel to receive the blessings from God, indicating that in our weakness, the blessing is that God makes us strong. When God blesses us or blesses a community of people, what he is doing is giving us the strength to do that which we would never be able to do on our own. A coach might tell you, and those of you who have ever coached anything would agree, I'm sure, that the better the athlete is at being aware of his or her weaknesses, the easier they are to coach An athlete who has the audacity to think that they don't have anywhere to improve is not the best one on the team. And it is the one who comes in weakness before a coach and says, make me strong where I am failing so that I might succeed and run the race. This is the concept of blessing. So when we get to our scripture for today, what we see is a man who was blessed by God. And in many ways, Abram's blessing comes out of nowhere. If you sneak back just a few verses into chapter 11, you'll see a conversation about where Abram was at the time that God called him. He's married to a woman named Sarai, who later, as we know, become Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith and the beloved leader of Israel. Israel. And they come out of nowhere, though, at the very beginning. And all we do know about them is that they are living in Canaan. We know nothing about any prior connection to God, to Yahweh, to the God of the universe. Chances are they were worshiping the Canaanite gods of their day and going about their business in this land. And God literally speaks to Abram and says, Hey, I see you, Abram. I'm going to lead you, Abram. I'm going to call you to a place that I'm not actually going to tell you even where you're going, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and people will be blessed because of you. What blessing did God give Abram in this story? There were some material goods, yes. If you are told that you are going to be the father of a nation, it means you suddenly begin to amass people and all of the livestock and all of the accoutrements it takes to keep a community of people in a nomadic culture. But the real blessing that God gave Abram was the relationship and the connection and the conversation with him. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for Abram to suddenly know who God was? For those of you who have a salvation story that tugs at your heart in that way, think back to the minute where you finally figured out something about God. Aha! Aha! The blessing of knowing who God is and the goodness and the beauty and the truth and the wisdom and the grace of his holy presence is what God blessed Abram with. I will bless you. I will make myself known in your life. And it won't end with you. I will do it beyond you into every place in this world. Abram's view of the world and his perspective from that point forward would never be the same. This is the blessing that God gave him, a greater awareness of himself. Any of you who have ever traveled perhaps outside the United States might get in that memory a bit of the perspective change that we're talking about here. Think back to the first time you ever left the country. And you get for the very first time in your life an opportunity to look back on your own nation from another place. What do you miss about home? What about home did, are you do you suddenly realize wasn't so great? Right? Perspective. The reason many people travel is it gives them a different perspective. College students experience this same thing. Those that perhaps leave and go away and live in a dormitory, they come home for Christmas that first year and it's different for them. They see their family and their family systems in a different way. They have a new perspective, one that they will never um, go back from. This is what happens to Abram. Suddenly, he has a heavenly perspective, a perspective of God. He is blessed from that point forward and called to move and change on behalf of God in the world. And his call... His call to bless other people was a call to set up an alternative community. The nation of Israel was nothing like any of the communities that existed in the world at that time. What God does in the life of Abram is begin to bring about a community of people who practice worship and devotion to God. An alternative community where hope and wisdom and grace and justice and mercy reign supreme. A community that God still calls to this very day. We are that community today. The church of Jesus Christ in this world is the alternative community of God. We are those people called to set about an alternative And that is what God says that Abram is going to do to bless all the people of the earth. I uh, am very much a standard American consumer, and so with my consumer lens on things, I can and have before read this text and thought to myself, well, how exactly would Abram bless everybody? Is he going to visit every village and city and community of the earth and deposit a few camels and maybe leave a bag of gold behind or something like that? You know, is Abram going to to walk into every home on planet earth and individually bless each person? No, God used Abram as the leader and the front runner of the alternative community of God. And when that community got it right, they were a tremendous blessing. And if you want on your own to read through the rest of Abram's story, you will also see that when that community got it wrong, they were a source of tremendous pain. And my friends, it is the same with us today. We are that community. We are called to be harbingers of peace, And joy and truth but sometimes it seems like the blessings of God sort of hide out right now how exactly do God's blessings flow in my life so that I can carry them onward when I don't exactly feel blessed all the time We have a culture that's sort of consumed with happiness. If you ask nine out of 10 American parents what they want for their children, they'll say, I want them to be happy. Nothing wrong with happiness, but it is a fleeting notion at best. And many of us have had those days where you wake up and you have the glory of actually saying, this is a great day. When someone asks you, how's your day going, instead of giving them a pad answer and mumbling the standard response, you can actually say, you know what? It's going great. I'm having a great day. I feel blessed today, you might even say. But we all know that doesn't last. And the reality is that on the other end of the spectrum, we have the days where we get out of bed because we have to, not because we want to. And maybe the to-do list for that day includes driving yourself or a beloved family member or a friend to a chemotherapy appointment or to a meeting with a doctor that just didn't go well. Or maybe the docket for that day includes a conversation with a person in finance who is letting you know that it's time to say goodbye to your home or some of your most cherished possessions. Every day is not always one where we wake up and say, I feel so blessed today. So, what does it mean if we are blessed by God, but some of our days are dark? Did God forget about us that day? Did He go over there and bless those people instead? And because from the places of grief, it's easy to look over and go, Well, why do those people get to have health and wealth? What about me? And what is fascinating at least about the places in Genesis that we've covered so far where God extends blessings, all of the blessings that we listed this morning come out of darkness. They do not come out of ecstatic, happy moments. God created the universe, he created the world, he blessed it, but it came from the chaos and the darkness and the formless void that hovered over the waters. When God blessed Noah, it was right after the flood and what appeared to be the end of humanity. And when God blesses Abram, It's out of darkness. Abram and Sarai were a childless couple well into their 70s. And any of you who have journeyed through infertility know what an excruciating journey that is. And at this time in history, it was even worse Because if you didn't have children, if there was no heir to your family line, you would be destitute and would not make it well into your old years. Your entire life hung on your ability to have children. And then God turns to this childless couple who was wandering in darkness at the time in a land and a people that didn't even know the name of God and says, out of that darkness, I'm going to draw a blessing. To be blessed is to still see God in all of those places. And sometimes it's barely a thread that you're hanging on to. But every time in the darkness, there is hope. That is where the blessings come down. The blessings are in the little shreds and glimmers. Not always In the giant, abundant, amassed resources or the fuel of happiness. And to be a blessing then, as it was for Abram and is for us now, is to speak God's words of wisdom and hope into those dark, dark places. I recall a time a couple years ago when I had received a phone call that a a friend was in the hospital. And I had, you know, obviously driven over to the hospital and prepared myself to uh, go in and, and visit this friend in, in, the, um, in the hospital room. And I was a little shaky, as those of you know, when someone you is, love is in the hospital, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a tense moment. And I received from God at the time, I sat in my car and I said, Lord, just help me go do this. And I received from God the, the opening line of, of the prayer of St. Francis which says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. I couldn't remember anything else of the prayer. I just said that three or four times, and I, I slammed the door on my car, and I went on into the hospital on a little shaky, and I pushed the button on the elevator. The elevator doors opened up, and emblazoned on the wall of the elevator was the entire prayer of St. Francis. Isn't that great? <laughs> this is that prayer. This is the blessing of God from the words of St. Francis, Brought into the darkness. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, he says, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen, he says. It is in the dark, mangled brutality of the cross on Good Friday that the blessings of Jesus come to us on Easter Sunday. It is from the darkness that we find the blessing of light. If you don't know it's dark, you have no idea how good the light feels, right? This is the call of the alternative community. This is what God is saying to Abram, and this is what God is saying to us Love one another with the ferocity and the tenacious spirit that can go into the darkness and bring about light. Each one of us has the power in our own lives and in our own ways to be that blessing in the world. And some of you may be sitting here today with this sort of nagging thought in your head that there was a person you should have called. There is a neighbor who might need a a, a contact from you. There is a family member where a hanging conversation leaves you unsettled. Maybe your response to our conversation today is to go and have those conversations. Because it's all fine and good for the preacher to stand up here and wax eloquent about these ideas, but what are we supposed to do about them? Because we were together right now as the alternative community, what do we do with the reality of that community beyond these walls this morning? Maybe some of you are being called to offer material blessings to someone else. Maybe there is a charity that you just can't get out of your mind. Maybe there is an organization that is waiting for resources from you to help it grow its wings. Maybe you are supposed to get on a plane to Africa (laughs) and go do some of God's beautiful, blessed work somewhere else around the world. But I dare say for most of us right now today, it probably means just leaving here with a different mindset than the one you came in with. It might simply mean being nice in the parking lot, when you leave this morning or offering a smile or a handshake to someone along the way today who maybe you normally would have walked right past I was traveling a bit this past week I was on my way to Dallas Texas and um, there are fewer places I think in uh, our suburban world where God seems to remove a blessed spirit from your heart sooner than the security line at O'Hare Airport When you're a little bit late for your flight, and the security line is a little bit longer than you thought, and there's a gentleman who's at the front of the line who just somehow didn't read the sign, you have to take your laptop out, and your shoes off, and your belt off, and the whole routine, and who's holding up that line, sometimes the thoughts, um, in my heart at least, at that moment, are less than blessed. Come on, buddy. Didn't you read the sign? We're all waiting for you. My penchant in that moment is not to go up and cheer him on. Maybe he's a little distracted because he's on his way to his father's funeral. I don't know that. All I know is that he's irritating to me at that moment. What does it look like for me in that moment to extend him grace, to see him the way God sees him, a beloved child, With a life that matters. What is my job as a member of the alternative community of God in that moment? It is to offer him grace. When I was on the plane, there was a gentleman that was sitting in the row behind me, and behind him was a mother traveling by herself with a two-year-old. When that woman got on the plane, her child was screeching. I mean, not just crying, screeching. I have three children, and I have dared to travel with them, so I do know what that's like. But all I remember thinking was, oh, make that baby stop crying. And she was literally sweating when she got on the plane. And she was walking down the aisle of the plane, fumbling with this kid and telling everybody she passed, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know he's loud, he's going to stop screaming. I'm sorry, I know, we're going to get it together. She was very aware of the looks that she was getting from many of the people on that flight. And sure enough, her child calmed down, and we flew and and landed. And and when everybody got up to get their bags out of the overhead bins, the gentleman behind me turned around and said to her that her son had done a nice job on the flight. And she began gushing and apologizing again. I know, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Kids are loud, kids are loud. And he stopped her, and I listened. I was eavesdropping. And I heard him say to her, ma'am, it's okay. Your son did fine. And even if he cried the whole way, this man said, it would have been fine with me. Kids cry. It's okay. He blessed her in that moment. He didn't stand up in the middle of the plane and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm so happy your son isn't screaming anymore. And and you're not going to go to work tomorrow and walk into the boardroom or go into the preschool line and go, in the name of Jesus... I bless you all. We don't, that's, that's not, I mean, maybe some of you are called to do that. I don't know. But that's not, that's not, that's not what it is. This gentleman in that moment turned around and said, it's all right. And for a brief moment, he looked at her and gave her the sort of peace and calmness that God wanted her to have in her own heart. He just spoke words of kindness to her. It might be as simple as just being nice to somebody else today. I'm going to close with a quote from a gentleman named Mark Buchanan. He's a great writer, and he asked a group of children what love and blessing meant. And there was a response from a child named Billy, and this is what Billy said. Billy is four, according to Mark Buchanan. And he said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different You just know your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you are called to high and lofty changes and transitions in your lives, and maybe that is the way God has asked you to be a blessing. All of us are called right now in this very moment to let our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be safe places for people. This is how we can bless before we even leave this room today. Amen? Would you please pray with me? Lord, to be a blessing is no small thing. To move through this life as an alternative to the striving and the chaos and the madness that surrounds us in this world, to move through this life in a different way, is a gift from you. Lord, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. And may they have the power to be a blessing to others. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.